Relationship Podcast with your host, Certified Life Coach, Chris Rich. If you're having trouble navigating your mixed faith relationships, struggling to connect with your people, or having specific challenges, you are in the right place, my friend. Episode 85, Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind on Garments. Hello, my beautiful friends. Today, I want to share another one of the Mixed Faith Marriage Masterminds with you. In this episode, Brooke Booth, Suzette Halterman, and myself talk all things garments. This was a great discussion, and we come at this topic from a lot of different angles because we all have different experiences with them. I adore these women, and I feel so blessed that we're able to learn from each other, and I'm sure that this discussion will be a benefit for you. I also want to point out that you can watch these Mixed Faith Masterminds on my YouTube channel, and I'll include the link to the show notes just in case you'd like to watch it that way. Okay, my friends, enjoy this discussion on garments. Hey, welcome again. This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind with three certified life coaches who were also all in a mixed faith marriage. And we love to gather together and talk about all things mixed faith marriage. So we've discussed connection, alcohol, partnership, and today we're going to talk about garments. I just want to pause and say, if you ever have something you'd love you'd like us to discuss, like a topic you'd like us to talk about in these panel discussions, great. Like reach out to any of us and we'll put it on our list of things to talk about. We're happy to accommodate any requests. Okay, let's do some introductions in case this is the first time you've heard from any of us or just because we like to introduce ourselves. (laughs) I'll go first and then we'll let Suzette introduce herself and then Chris. So I'm Brooke Booth. I'm a, I realized I didn't say this last time. So I've had my faith transition. I consider myself post-Mormon or whatever labels you like to use. And it's been, I was thinking it's like five or six years now. And my faith transition happened after 15 years of marriage. So we just hit our 21st anniversary. So the math works there. Um, We have four kids. They were quite young at the time. I think the ages were like three to 13. Now they're, they're older, um, but they were quite young when we went through the first initial phases of our mixed faith marriage. And what I do as a coach is I work now with individuals and couples to help them like fall in love again after the transition, the faith transition and the mixed faith marriage and helping them find that warmth and tenderness in the relationship again. All right, Suzette, tell us about yourself. Right. Um, Suzette Halterman. I work with couples. Um, I went through my own mixed faith journey. Well, my own faith transition journey uh, a couple years ago. And I currently am in the weird space of attending, but not believing. So I participate um, and raising our kids in kind of this mixture. Uh, and it's interesting and it's always an adventure. And, and I do it because that's just what I need for my own growth. Uh, and my own personal development is to kind of still be in this space, um, yet be my own person with my own belief system. But it is very challenging, I will admit. Um, yet I love it in some sick way, I guess. <laughs> I love the challenge of it. Um, and so, yeah, I work with couples in trying to navigate their differences and faith differences being one of them, because 
Um, it's not uncommon for couples to have some really divisive differences. And I uh, specialize in helping them to overcome that or you know, find connection despite their differences. Ahead, okay. And I am Chris Rich and I'm also a certified life coach. I work with my clients one-on-one -on -one, and I, I am an active believing member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, I've been in this space for a long time. It's been about 20 years. Uh, my husband, and I have three awesome kids. We have a 14 year old, a 19 year old and a 21 year old. And, um, there, yeah, we definitely have some different, some differing opinions with what's going on. And we have a really awesome family. It doesn't look at all how I thought it was going to. And we have a lot of love and fun and respect. And we've got a lot of good things going on in our family. Uh, I love to help members of the church who are looking to make their mixed faith relationships, not only work, but to thrive and to, to get through those hard parts of the, that we all those emotions that come up in when we have, when we're in a mixed faith situation. So that's me. Perfect. Okay. We're going to talk about garments, like I said earlier, and garments, I realized as, as I was starting to dig into this, that I, they're an ex, they're so interrelated. They're an extension of purity, culture, and modesty, like how we dress. So we're going to touch on some of those things too. I also understand garments is a sensitive topic so we're going to talk about it, in, you know, specifically in the impacts of a mixed faith marriage, because there's doctrinal things there and covenant things there. And like, we respect that and we understand that. And we're going to talk about it as respectfully as we can here. So let's get started just by sharing our own personal experience. I think it can be helpful to just see that we're muddling through, like we're humans dealing with human experiences too. So what was your personal experience with taking off the garment? You know, how did you and your spouse deal with the change? Um, you know, to the level you're comfortable sharing, we'd love to hear your stories and I'll share mine when you two are done. I I can start. Um, so my kind of journey with garments started even long before my faith transition for medical issues. And I think that's something that is not talked about enough is the female body and garments and and it doesn't always work well. So I actually wasn't wearing mine regularly um, for that reason uh, is, is my body was just better when I wasn't. Um, and then after my, when my faith transition kind of was in full force, I decided not to wear them for other reasons um, because I wasn't believing in them anymore. Um, and as far as in my relationship, I think it was easier for my husband just because it had been kind of something that we'd talked about before and I, and I wasn't wearing them as regularly. So it wasn't like this big, um, sudden thing for him, but I also, because I was training in, in couples work that during that time, I was very aware of being considerate and talking about things and creating a lot of partnership. And so I, you know, I talked about it openly. Like, I don't think that I would like to wear these anymore. How do you feel about that? Like, is there a way that I could do this that would, um, be easier for you. And honestly, I think my husband personally didn't care in his brain. It was like, great, great. you're going to wear cute things under your clothes instead of garments. Like I'm all on board for that. Um, but the aspect for him, it was more like, what attention is this going to draw to our family? Like if you're out in public and you're wearing a tank top, 
then people are going to know. And so, and, and my family is going to know, then it was more of like a, I don't want that attention on me. That was his concern. So um, it was kind of navigating that and like, okay, well, how can I do this? Like, I don't have to change my wardrobe right away. Plus I live in Colorado where it's like cold. Like I don't, you know, summer is short and it's mild. Like I don't need to wear tank tops all the time anyway. Um, but there was that element of, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's what's important to you. How can we make this transition so that it works for both of us? And, and, and I think we came up with a good way to do it. So it wasn't too, like, I don't think it caused any huge problems for us. Um, it, it really wasn't a big deal for our relationship and just the way that it, things played out for us. So that's my story. So my story is not like that at all. It was so, so devastating, so hard for me when, um, when my husband took his garments off. In fact, that probably was one of the hardest times in this whole faith journey for us. Um, it, yeah, it was a, it was a huge deal for me. And I, I wasn't, I didn't have the tools and the training at the time. I think if I could redo it, I would do it very differently now, but it was, I was a hot mess. It was a disaster. And, um, I had a very, very painful narrative around him taking them off. Uh, I made it mean a lot of different things like, he's blatantly rejecting God. He's blatantly rejecting his covenants. He's rejecting our marriage. He's rejecting me. I had so many thoughts about him taking them off that were very, very, very painful and hard. Um, I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of fear and worry. Uh, it seemed like, and how I, a bunch of my other thoughts were things like, this is the final step. This, there's no turning back. A door is closing. There's no hope. It just seemed like a very, I, my narrative was that this is a very, um, a big step and that things are really going to change. It, that was how, just because they're so important to me and the way I view them. He had a totally different narrative on that, that they meant something very different to him that, that than they meant and mean to me still. So that was, it was, it was not pretty. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And like I said, I think now that having tools and just understanding it would look very different. I think it would still be very hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, not pretty at all. You know, I, as I was thinking back to this, this was actually like an easier topic for our relationship, like between me and my husband. So it's interesting to see the differences. Um, I know he didn't love it, but he seemed to come to understanding easier. I think similar to says that he was also fine with like the sexier stuff, so to say, like, he's like, oh, but if he's listening to this, he will blush. But anyway, like that is like, there was that, piece for sure. Um, it, it was, what was interesting as I was thinking about this is I did feel strongly about it and I was able to really, I didn't spring it on him. Like it wasn't like, by the way, you know, you're never going to see those again. It was something I was talking him through a lot of the changes I was interested in before I would fully implement them. And I think that helped a lot in that, you know, 
hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing here are the reasons why this is why, you know, this is important to me. And I just wanted to let you know, not that I was seeking his permission, but I wanted to let him know I wanted him to be involved in what was going on with me. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why it was an easier transition for us. I will say this, there was an interesting like byproduct personally for me from this whole experience is, and, and this is a little bit outside of mixed faith marriage, but not too much really, is it helped me like see my body differently because it wasn't just covered up. I was just always used to seeing it covered up like completely. And I had an interesting shift around that time, like coming to more like a better relationship, a healthier probably relationship with my own personal body. That was just a surprise like thing that happened. And I realized that it's not the same for everybody. You know, I had my own issues that I had worked with as a female in our society around bodies. And just to have a different experience with my body was fascinating. I'm just going to throw that in there in case somebody's like thinking about this issue. And, and I found that to be actually really beneficial and then therefore beneficial to like how I showed up in the relationship as well. Can I go back? Can I add something to what I was going to say? Looking back, I, when, when my husband would share something with me, I did not make it easy to, for him to have a conversation. So we didn't really have a conversation and that was probably for a good reason on his part, because he knew I would freak out and become very reactive, not responsive. And in hindsight, I wish I would have been, you know, definitely those, those emotions were still very strong for me, but in hindsight, I wish that I could go back and, um, and listen and ask questions instead of just losing it and freaking out. Cause that we had years where that's what I would do. So he didn't tell me things and I can't go back and fix it, but I can, I can, I can look at how I'm responding to things now and, be more um, open to a conversation. And yeah, I, I totally get why he didn't tell me that he was taking him off. I, I love that you're sharing this side of it, Chris, like that we didn't do it well. And it was because I think your story is more common than like mine and Brooke's story, just from what I see, either couples not talking about it for that reason, they're afraid their spouse is going to be really reactive so like either avoiding it or talking about it a couple of times and it not going well, and then just not ever, you know, then just kind of brushing it under the rug. Like, I think that is more normal. So I'm so glad you are bringing that up. Just the reality of what a lot of people deal with around this. No, that's a really good segue, Suzette. Let's talk about what some of our clients experience. Like, how do some of our clients deal with this very same thing when a partner wants to take off the garment? What have been some of your experiences and how have you helped your clients work through that? I'll just say I, garments are like a meaning magnet. Like, and, and Chris, you spoke to this. I mean, we, as a religious symbol, we the, the purpose of religious symbols is we infuse them with all kinds of meaning and that's great. The problem is our brains don't stop doing that. <laughs> on, you know, when our partner removes the garment, they, they are just like, we spend our whole life in the church infusing the garment with meaning. And so we're going to do that. Even when we take them off, our partner takes it off. So my, the clients that I've had that have dealt with this, 
um, they might be creating a lot of meaning around like my partner's judging me. So if they are the ones that remove their garments, then they're like embarrassed to change clothes. Like every time my partner sees me without them, um, they think that, you know, they're thinking this and this and they, they don't love me and they're judging me. So we're creating, they're creating meanings about their partner and the, and the meanings their partner's making or people who are wearing the garments are also sometimes embarrassed to change. Uh, cause I, you know, anytime my spouse sees me in my garments, then I know they're judging me and they're thinking, how could you still support that church? And, um, so a lot of just like embarrassment and fear of judgment on either side, whether they're wearing them or whether they're not. Um, and then dealing the same thing, dealing with judgments. Like if, if I go out and I'm not wearing, you know, clothes, if it's obvious that I'm not wearing my garments, like what are you judging me about that? What meaning are you making about me? Betrayal, meanings of betrayal. Um, you know, just all, there's so many meanings that just, just get flooded <laughs> everywhere and it's messy. So that's, that's what I'm dealing with is just the constant meaning making, not just about the garment itself, but about the person wearing the garment, the judgment coming from the other person or the person wearing, not wearing the garment. Like it's just so messy with meaning. So it's a, that's why I call it a meaning magnet. Like it's just gonna, it's, uh, and one more thing I've also found interesting. I consider garments to be like the ink blot test uh, for couples, you know, like the ink blots where you project all your stuff to onto it. Like that's what garments are. Like I'm gonna project all my fears about rejection and you judging me and you not loving me or are you there for me and my fears of betrayal. Like all of that because garments are such a meaning magnet, like all of that, it's like glue for all of your projections. And so sorting that out with couples to help them to not do as much <laughs> of that, like meaning vomit, you know, whatever. That's just like all on there. Um, it's, it's work, it's hard. I love that, that term meaning magnet. I don't think I've ever, I've never thought about that before, but I love that. Uh, I think for working with my clients and me, because I am my very best client, because I'm figuring all this stuff out myself. <laughs> but um, I think just processing the emotions that come up with us. And I think for me and the people that I, that I'm working with a lot, there's a lot of grief with, with this experience, the mixed face experience and with garments specifically too, because of what uh, Suzette was just sharing. Um, and I think we have this idea that grief is exclusive to death, but it's not any grief is a natural emotional response. Anytime we experience loss. And so it may be loss of a, you know, like loss of an idea, loss of what you thought was going to happen. And I, I think, of, yeah, I think of with grief, anytime we have the loss of an expected outcome. And I think it's interesting because there's, so maybe I remember being worried that he was going to take his garments off. So there's like this fear and this anticipatory grief that this could happen one day. And then there's other other types of grief as well, like cumulative grief. So there's the, okay, they share, I'm leaving the church, they may take their name off the records. There's all these things. And so it's just like another thing. So I think with garments, it, it adds to that cumulative grief. And then the third type of grief that I think is interesting is um, 
when the disenfranchised grief where the so for me it was like oh my word this is huge this is so hard for me and my husband was like what's the big deal i'm wearing different underwear and so i felt very um so with disenfranchised grief that's like where the griever is not recognized and that can be a hard thing so i think just allowing that grief is such an important part of um of this process because even though it may mean something very different to the partner that's left it's still a big thing for for the partner that's staying and i think empathy is a big part of this just being able to um to empathize to let yourself grieve and whatever you need to do whatever those emotions are and to uh, empathy is huge just being able to say like okay i have a totally different opinion on this and i can see how 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 this is hard for you like we don't have to agree with someone to be like yeah i just i recognize that this is hard so it may sound something like i i know that you need to do what's important for you and i'm grieving too so i want to be supportive and and support you and do all these things and it's okay that i'm grieving as well so that's kind of i think just allowing those emotions that come up because they do this is a very it can be not always but it can be for me it was a very tender grief-filled experience you know i see something a little bit different with some of my clients like all of this is true but i want to add just another like angle as well is I have a lot of people who like struggle choosing what to wear. They, they walk into their closet and they experience like a paralysis, like, okay, it's hot outside. So I want to wear something comfortable, but I don't like what Suzette was saying, but I don't want my husband or my mother-in-law or my neighbor or the clerk at the grocery store to judge me or to think certain things about me. And they really have a hard time. Like it's so stressful like navigating their closets at this time. And, and I think probably women's like experience this a little bit more disproportionately as opposed to men, just because of how society is and things. But it's interesting when this presents and like I've seen this over and over and over with clients is I'm, you need to start unpacking things like modesty and you need to start unpacking things like, you know, what do you really value here as opposed to what's just social conditioning and being honest with yourself about what's important to you and what you want to learn to be able to let go of. It's, it's just another layer of um, like knowing yourself and exploring yourself and getting in tune with your values and making your decisions accordingly. But it can be really hard because of the identity shift and our clothes are so often associated with our identity and then it can be hard to know how to present yourself when this change happens and I just want to like like some people are like oh that's frivolous and that's silly and it's not like this is an identity thing it's not just are you wearing this shirt or this shirt or these shorts or these pants like it's it's more fundamental than that and it ties into belief systems and conditioning and and all sorts of things so I just wanted to say, like, I've seen this with clients and it's okay. Like, it's okay to have a meltdown about which shirt you're going to wear. And I, I think I that's where that empathy 
empathy is so important because maybe it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why you're doing this because it's important to me. And I bet that is so hard figuring out what to wear. Like we don't have to agree with them to empathize and be supportive. And um, yeah, I think that's a really valid point, Brooke. I appreciate that you shared that. So let's talk more about this. Like sometimes wearing a tank top or shorter shorts is more challenging than even taking the garment off because there is a wider impact at times, or at least it can be perceived as having a wider impact. Have you talked to clients about this? Like, how have you, how would you recommend navigating making these different clothing choices or working through your spouse, making these different clothing choices? Um, since I work just with couples, I don't work with the individual end, but when, when couples go through this and like their spouse is wearing something and it makes them uncomfortable, um, I think just working, working on that meaning making, like our brain is wired that our survival depends on our ability to make meaning. And we don't make meaning based on like reality all the time. Like we're pulling categories from our past, like, and, and we always have to be checking that against our current reality. So getting couples to really be aware of the meanings that they're making, like when their spouse wants to wear something, like they're wearing a tank top and they're going out, what's the meaning I'm making out of this? And why am I making that meaning? Like, again, it's like, the, like, what am I projecting onto them? Like, what are my fears about our relationships and why? So I do a lot of like family of origin work and things like to understand these categories of meaning that people are making. So I can, you know, give me five minutes with somebody and have them talk about their feelings about and the meanings they're creating about their spouse's garment wearing or not wearing. And I can tell you a lot about the categories they've created and I can guess where those come from. You know, if you have some, some issues with parents not showing up for you, if you've got divorce uh, parents who are divorced, you're going to have a lot of kind of fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. And that's, you're going to project that meaning onto your spouse when they choose to wear a tank top or something. So it's really like gaining awareness of these categories and the meanings, and then being able to have like that kind of meta awareness, like awareness of your awareness. Like I'm making this meaning and testing it against reality. Like, is my spouse really going to go off and like have an affair just because they're wearing a tank top? Is my spouse really going to go on this slippery slope? Like, no, they've shown me time and time again, how committed they are to me and the family. Um, you know, I know they love me. So we always have to check our meanings against like facts and evidence that we have to kind of temper that, to contain our meaning making. Our meaning making can go off the rails if we let it, like we really have to, we really have to contain it and understand it and, and thank it. Be like, thank you brain for keeping me safe. And I'll take it from here. Like you don't get to drive the bus. Like I got my hands on the steering wheel now, but thank you. Um, and getting couples to do that. Like let's, let's slow down the meaning making. Let's be aware of all the stuff you're projecting. So you can like just contain it better and, and check it against like what you do know about your spouse and kind of just answer to what the kind of work I do around this with couples. Like you froze there for a minute, Suzette, but I think we got, I think we got that. Chris and I both leaned oh, in. Like, yeah. oh like what? <laughs> Don't disappear. This is good. What you were saying is just like so important. Like, I just wish I could like take that and like shout it from the rooftops. It, like when I meet with people and I'm like, let's unpack that. A lot of times what I mean is exactly what you're saying. Like, let's look at what the meaning you're making of this and let's like, is this going to help you? 
<laughs> create what you want in your marriage? Or is this going to be more of a roadblock in helping you create what you want in your marriage? And that takes a lot of awareness. You know, I'll, I'll, I just, I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. But I'll, I'll add one other idea too that I see is a lot of times this is an area to really develop some like tolerance of discomfort. Like sometimes the choices our spouse makes is going to make us uncomfortable. And that might be wearing the garment or not wearing the garment. That might be wearing a tank top or it might be wearing, you know, the, like my husband has like, I swear sometimes like three layers of clothing you can see here because there's so much going on. And really being able to tolerate our own discomfort and to, to be okay that like they get to make their own decisions and I get to work through what that brings up in me, my story, my emotions, my, my, my discomfort at a fundamental level. I think sometimes we have very low ability to tolerate our own discomfort and we react or we lash out or we judge or we try to change somebody else's behavior. I, I think there's so many ways to approach this and I have seen time and time again, when we can have more tolerance for just our own discomfort in a relationship, empathy is easier to achieve, like giving space, withholding, like, like not being so quick to judge. These things are just so much easier to access. And I want to add kind of a, a, a going back to that discomfort. So in my experience, it was, you know, like I felt so as I'm wearing my garment, it's like, oh my word, this is uncomfortable to be the one wearing them when, when he's not. And I had to really check in with myself. And I really, I think this is so important to check in with, do I like my reasons? What are my personal reasons for wearing the garments? And I've got a lot of them. I love my garments. They're very, very important to me. And, um, and I like my why I like why I like, I know what my reasons are and I, and I like those reasons. And so I am willing to be, I mean, it's not an issue now. This has been years and years, but um, I, I feel very comfortable with them, but it, it's taken work where I had to remind myself like, no, this is, this is actually for me, this is a non-negotiable. This is something that is really important to me that I want to hang on to. And, and that's, and I think it's also important to understand what are the things that are non-negotiable and it's okay to, you know, that's something for me, that's a big deal that if, if, and I mean, every relationship is going to look different and every person is, but knowing what is your, why do you like your reasons? And it's okay to be like, this is, no, this is important to me. And, and I'm not willing to not wear them has worked for me. <laughs> now let's talk about the betrayal piece. Like Suzette, you brought this up earlier. And I think this is the part that like, I've seen happen a lot around garments, around the mixed faith marriage in general, but because garments tend to be associated with the temple and the temple covenants there, I think they can symbolize, as you were saying earlier, the betrayal piece. So like, this, there can be a sense of betrayal when a partner removes the garment. I think we could probably all agree on that. Um, what are your thoughts on dealing with betrayal in a mixed faith marriage as it applies to garments or just as it applies generally? 
I think betrayal is a hard word. It's kind of like this umbrella term and I don't find it useful. <laughs> I think uh, I think that we, you really have to kind of drill down what are all the feelings under this? Like, mm -hmm. am I angry? Am I feeling, am I feeling unconsidered? Like those are different things. You know, betrayal is you violated kind of this agreement. Well, the, the agreement around what we're agreeing to in a temple marriage is, is really very vague when you read it. It's not like this list of like, you know, it's very vague and it's open to a lot of interpretation. So I don't think it's useful to use the word betrayal. I think it's more useful to really drill down into specific feelings because then you can figure out more what's happening here. Do you feel unconsidered? Do you feel uncared about and disrespected? Well, there's some ways to work through that. Do you feel angry? Do you feel, are you put, putting meaning around this that your spouse doesn't love you? Like uh, it's more helpful and it's it's more guiding to get specific around the emotions um, to work through them, I think, than, than to, to view it as betrayal. So if you're feeling betrayed, that would be my recommendation is really spend some time uh, pinpointing all the feelings underneath that sense of betrayal. Uh, and that'll give you a better clue kind of of what meanings you're project making out of this and all, and maybe where the, the, the parts of your marriage, you, you aren't as skilled at, like maybe the partnership aspect where there hasn't been communication and there hasn't been consideration, like maybe that has been lacking. And so you're feeling that, uh, kind of lack of consideration. I just told you, okay, like we got to work on this mutual consideration, mutual sensitivity. So uh, I think there's a lot that can be learned from drilling down into the specific emotions. And I think with, um, yeah, I think betrayal that, that, that like Suzette was saying, that is a definitely a, it can be a very heavy word. I like thinking like what, and we've talked about this already, but what is the meaning to me? So like for me, garments are a, a representation of a covenant relationship with God and, um, and a commitment to follow his will. And so like, I definitely have the meaning that I give it. And I think when we, we can see it as a commitment to eternal marriage and a symbol of that commitment. So, uh, well, and there, we, there's the, the quote that the garment is an outward expression of an inward commitment to follow the savior. And I had to separate, like, this is how I see it. This is important to me. And I want to, I mean, that's, I'm going to hang on to that. I like, like I said, I like my reasons why and recognizing they have a very different meaning to my husband. That's not how he views them to him, their underwear. And it's okay for me to, uh, to keep the meaning that I want and to differentiate to, you know, that we see things differently. I think it is very important that, so I can, I can hang on to my meaning that I want to, to keep with that. And also understand if I'm having the thought that he is betraying me, I want to check in with what that thought is creating for me. And Suzette, you were mentioning this, but I know like if I'm feeling betrayed or if I'm thinking he's betraying me, I am going to feel angry or defensive and then when I'm feeling that emotion, my emotions are the fuel for my actions. So then I show up. You want to think about how do you show up when you're angry? Well, you yell, you argue, you judge each other, you ignore each other, uh, you say things you regret. And then I don't show up as 
who I want to be. I don't show up as the disciple of Jesus Christ that I'm striving to be when I'm, when I'm in that situation. So what I end up creating for myself, I, I disconnect from my spouse, but then I also betray who I am because I'm not acting in who I want to be. Cause I don't, I'm not, my actions are not showing they're not in line with who I want to be. So whether you feel betrayed or not, it's important to check in and see what does that create for you when you're feeling that emotion. You know, I'll add to this as well. I was thinking about betrayal this, along the lines of Sue's that where it's like, uh, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, what does this mean? And I was like, a lot of times it means like, there's been like a manual violation. If you're like a manual is like, this is how, these are the rules you're supposed to follow as a husband or as a wife or as a, you know, a believing LDS or whatever, like here are the rules you're supposed to follow. And I think sometimes when we label something with betrayal, we're saying like, you're not following the manual. Like you're not following the rules anymore. And and I think when I was like going down that route, I'm like, a lot of times what's going on here is that like, sometimes betrayal is about like, if we were to pinpoint one of the emotions, it's like a sense of loss and sorrow and grief over what we thought we were supposed to have over what we thought the manual was like dictating for us and for our relationship. And it's challenging dealing with like this ties back into Chris's grief conversation. It's challenging to deal with like the supposed tos and managing ourselves around things that we thought were supposed to happen and are not happening or things we thought were not supposed to happen and are happening. And I think so much of our adult development, like our emotional maturity is learning how we want to be intentionally how we want to show up in our relationships on purpose when we're not getting what we thought we were supposed to like really like deciding how we want to be as humans, as people, when we're not getting what we thought we were supposed to get. I think that is so much the challenge we face when there's betrayal in, in our marriages. And like, personally, this is not easy. <laughs> Like, it is not easy when you're not getting what you thought you were supposed to. But I think this is the hallmark of like adult development and deciding intentionally how you want to be in your marriage is coming to terms with that and working through that. And I just add, I think we're all adults aren't that different than toddlers who throw tantrums when we don't get what we want. We just do it in more passive aggressive ways. <laughs> Or, or maybe just very similar to toddlers. <laughs> yeah, I think we forget that um, it, that we do throw tantrums. I'm like, guess what? It's okay. Like, like just because you throw a tantrum doesn't mean you're a bad person. But just bringing awareness to it and, and deciding, to, like, okay, what's really going on here? Yeah. I had one thing that was helpful for me after, I mean, this definitely took time to get here, but going back to that manual, I would kind of, I'd be like, he's not following my religion that I believe in, that he doesn't believe in. And kind of, I mean, now I can make it kind of a, a humorous thing, but yeah, cause it was like, no, you should be following my religion the way I believe it and recognizing like, okay, this is not, he doesn't even believe in this stuff. And not that that was easy, but now 
we kind of joke about that with each other now that it's um yeah and do it, doing what we can to put some humor into it and to um yeah just to recognize i'm expecting you to live by my religion that you don't want to be a part of <laughs> exactly well, let's talk about this. This is something I've seen with clients. The garments can be associated with like intimacy and sex. I mean, it's our underwear, right? Have you seen how taking off the garment or not taking off the garment has impact the sexual relationship or the, the sexual dynamics in a couple? I'd be really curious to hear about this. I think this is something that I know clients are like, can we talk about and I'm like, yes, yes, we can. But it's something people can be really hesitant to bring up and talk about. So I want to create the space here where we can discuss that. I mean, I'll, I'll share, like for me, uh, like you were mentioning, Brooke, it gave you a different perspective of your body. For me, I became much more of an embodied person like that. Like I got really into yoga. I, like after I removed my garments, I became like, I did yoga every day for a while um, and it, like, because it helped me feel in my body, I was so grounded in my body, which translates into in intimacy. I would say my embodiment improved our intimate life, like a lot. And it was great and fun. Um, I think for couples that I work with, um, I think the feelings and the grief around it can impact the intimacy in negative ways. You know, it's, it's one of the factors that can kind of get in the way of the emotional connection and emotional connection can can, you know, hamper physical connection if, you know, if there's lack of emotion intimacy. So I think it impacts intimacy, just all the feelings involved in it um, can really decrease physical intimacy and get in the way of it. And I think the embodiment that comes from people like aligning with themselves and kind of feeling in their body again can improve intimacy. So, you know, I think it just depends on the couple, depends on the situation. Um, it's a mixed bag, I would say. Um, for me, I remember at one point, my husband had made some comment about how garments weren't sexy and I was devastated. It was just like, oh, and I made that mean that he thinks I'm not sexy. And when I'm thinking that I'm feeling very hurt or defensive or, um, angry or whatever that emotion that comes up. And so when I'm thinking that, then I don't show up sexy. And I'm putting that in quotes for people that are, that are listening that I, I cry, I isolate myself, I cover up, I judge him, I judge myself, I might be thinking, having self deprecating thoughts. And then I'm not really I'm not present, I'm not showing up as my fun, outgoing, sexy self. <laughs> and what's funny is to look back at that. I so that was definitely and, and I don't want to we're all at different spots to, for me now I can look back at this and, and joke about it. But at the time, this was very, very hard for me. Um, but now it's like, he didn't say that I wasn't sexy. He's talking about the garments aren't. And you know what? Now I can look at, they're not, there is a reason they don't sell garments at Victoria's secret. I can still love them and they can be sacred and special to me but I don't have to argue with them on that. They're not. And that is a, um, and so I think just being, being able to, it's what it, it's taking that there, what meaning are we giving it? And I don't have to make it mean anything about me. 
We often do. So I think that's a beautiful question. What am I making this mean about me? And how is that affecting how I'm showing up? And um, yeah, because the way we're thinking affects how we feel and how we show up. And that's definitely an important part of with intimacy. So you got to look at what you're what meaning are you giving their words or their wearing of under the garment or not? So it all goes back to that. Yeah, I, I totally see this. Like the meaning, but I'm seeing this as like a theme throughout. It's so true here because taking off the garment or not can be like, it can spice things up or it can be a complete wet blanket on the relationship, depending on like how you spin it. That's really all meaning is. It's the story we tell ourselves. It's how we spin what what we see is going on. I don't mean that to sound like deprecating. I mean, we just like our brains tell stories to make meaning of the world. And that's all they're doing here. And so I've seen with some clients, they make it mean that they're less attractive or they're more attractive or they're more sexy or they're less safe or a temptation or who knows. There's so many ways individuals can like make meaning of the garment being on or off. And so I'll just put the fine point on this. Like what we're saying here is like, what is the meaning you're making of it? Like, what's the story you're telling yourself? And is that helping you experience your marriage and your sexual relationship and your sexual relations in the marriage the way you want it to? It can be so helpful to look at that meaning and to, you know, have it work with you instead of against what you want, to have it work towards the goals that you have instead of against the goals you have. Again, I'll tell my own experience here is like, because it did help me like love my body more. That's really what it did. It helped me feel more attractive. And that like, when you feel attractive, it's going to have a direct correlation to the quality of your sexual life, to your own ability to enjoy and experience your sexuality. Like these things are connected. And for somebody that could be putting on the garment and for somebody else that could be taking off the garment, it's just going to be so individual. This is one of those areas I think where self-introspection can be so helpful. Journaling, exploring like the stories you're telling yourself, the stories you think your spouse is telling them about you and and digging into this a little bit more to, to find out, you know, what is going on here instead of just letting it stay at this, like discomfort, something's vaguely wrong or not working well, digging a little bit deeper and going a little bit deeper can be so beneficial here. Do you guys have any last comments or, or ideas or things you'd like to share before we wrap up this garment conversation? I just want to share like, that the meanings are not going to stop. So even though I don't wear garments and I've been in this space for a while, if I see a a member that's not wearing their garments, like automatically, like in, in less than a second, I've already got judgments and stories. And I'm like creating these stories. Who's in, who's out, who can I trust? Like, Oh, you're not a good member. Right. (laughs) Yet I don't care. So I just noticed like, I'm at the point now where I can just laugh about it and be like, wow, brain, like you are super busy and like fast. Um, And I can appreciate that, but I don't have to believe any of that. I can, again, test it against reality. Like, actually, I don't care. And actually, it means nothing about this person. That's just my brain doing what it does. Um, So I just, just, we have to always, like, I don't know that it's so deeply ingrained in all of us because garments are this meaning infused thing 
that the meanings might not stop the negative ones, the positive ones, but we can always just, we don't have to follow that train of thought. We don't have to believe it. So if you're making meanings about your spouse, they're wearing them, they're not wearing them. You can just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Doing my thing and test it against reality. Um, take a different path. Like you, you know, the reasoning part of our brain is much slower than the part of our brain that creates meaning that it creates meaning in like an eighth of a second. Yet the read the reasoning part of our brain takes like, you know, multiple seconds. So we make that judgment call, like we make that meaning and then get into like our prefrontal cortex, our reasoning part of our brain and like assess, like, do I really want to follow that train of thought? Or am I just going to like put that, you know, <laughs> aside and be like silly brain. Thank you, but no, thank you. You know, So that's my final thought. I think that's so interesting. And that was actually one of the things that I had thought about with this conversation is that it's so easy to look at other people and, um, and yeah, to recognize, well, just exactly what Suzette was saying, but recognizing, okay, when I am judging them, I may be, I'm wearing my garments and I'm judging them for not wearing their garments. Who's being more Christ-like? When I'm judging people, it's not something that helps me to show up as the disciple of Christ that I'm trying to be. So just recognizing that that's me judging them is not, is not helping me to be the person I want to be. So, yeah. Okay. Great conversation. Thank you. Um, we'll meet again next month and we'll have another great conversation. don't have to be on the same page with religion to have a great relationship. If you are feeling stuck in all the emotions that are coming up for you in your mixed faith relationships, or are looking for tools to help you move forward, I can help you. Sign up for a free session with me. Go to chrisrichcoaching.com and click on work with me because you and your loved ones are worth it, my friend. Thank you.